0: I'm Megan. I'm Tyler. And this is The Office Hours, the podcast where two literature professors analyze the great American story. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Megan. How are you? Doing pretty good. We're back for our second Annex episode on season two.
1: Yeah, we have not left the Annex. Uh, <laughs> I, I picture us having gone to the vending machine, gotten some cool ranch yeah. Doritos. Um,
0: I think we'd have a good time back there,
1: a pencil cup, perhaps.
0: Uh... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like I like the thought of us hanging out in there. I guess on that note, who do you feel? This is like a random jump right into an item, but if you're picturing yourself hanging out in the break room by the vending machines, who do you feel like you'd be friends with in the office now that you've seen two seasons and thought about them carefully? Mm. Like who's your most likely snack time friend? I mean
2: I'm
1: most intrigued by Creed.
0: <laughs> oh <my> God.
1: <laughs> I really feel like Creed would be my um my buddy, you know? And uh,
0: I love it that you're
1: going for Creed. Yeah, let me tell you why, you know, just some high notes of the rewatch just thinking of the gift that he gave um Jim for the Christmas <laughs> and I love the moment when Jim's like I think he just grabbed he forgot and he grabbed something out of his closet and he gave me this and and uh-huh. like, yeah that's exactly what I did so <laughs> there are times when Creed seems like totally with it and then other times he seems completely out of it yeah um, and uh anyway so uh yeah i don't know i feel like i would because let me you know it's it's less a question of who i jive with and who i wouldn't because like mm-hmm. i think pam i have to say i would find like her and jim's flirty thing like annoying yeah Jim is yeah. like too cool for school and i feel like he would find me annoying <laughs> dwight i'm like i worry that i'm too much like dwight <laughs> so you it know I'd be in competition for the the assistant to the regional manager position. (laughs) Uh, I hate Angela. Oh, wait, I forgot about Oscar. Eh, But Oscar doesn't really want friends.
0: (laughs) Isn't that sometimes the best kind of friend, though?
1: Definitely, yeah. That's how I hooked you. you If
0: he chooses to be friends with you, he doesn't have a low bar.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah, what about you? Who would you be um, chatting with?
0: I feel like actually Oscar is the one I most picture myself being friends with. I think you predicted last time that Oscar would be the one who got most of my dundies and he was not top, but he was close, but reviewing the season, a couple of the things that stood out that made me feel like Oscar and I could be, could be good buddies. The thing with the thermostat I don't know why. I just really like his messing with the thermostat. yeah, kind of battle for control over something very low stakes like that. I really enjoy. Also, his rage at and at uh, Angela's poster, yeah, I just really like the passion that Oscar sometimes brings yep. and his intensity about that. And so I felt like I could have a really good rant with Oscar. Maybe, like, on the stairwell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's not enough people, like, complaining. In the episode, Uh I feel like my main, you know, my favorite thing in life is to complain. And so, yeah. But he seems ready for it, potentially. He seems ready for it.
0: And he seems good at it when when he goes in.
1: And Toby, I would not enjoy because, like, he's not, he doesn't have enough passion. Like, he's the opposite of passion. He's just, like... Okay. Whatever.
0: Your your feelings about Toby then seem to be becoming increasingly complicated.
1: I Okay. Are we like doing this? Are we like are we just diving in and, and discussing the whole season? <laughs> are we in are, are we oh, here for this? I
0: guess not. Do you have anything? What if we have that's like on-ramp material?
1: Uh okay, revisions and regrets. Um okay. I don't have a revision or regret, but I have a off-pod experience I want to talk about. Can Ooh, I, okay. Can I bring that to the table?
2: You can can bring that in.
1: Okay. So I was talking to my friend, Corey, who is now a Mm -hmm. devoted listener of the podcast. And she said some, yeah, I'm thrilled uh, and yet horrified as well, because she's listening to it all (laughs) at once, right? Like one after another. And she said something that has haunted me. uh, And she basically said, it's really interesting to listen to it like back to back to back because there are things you guys forget that you talked about or that you repeat like going back over but you don't remember because it was like a year ago or six months ago and I was like this is my great fear not just for the podcast but in my life that like I'm repeating stories and people won't say to me like yeah yeah you just told me this yesterday yes which I know I've done with Corey. Like Corey, like we drive in together sometimes, and I'll tell her something that I know I told her. Like at the end of the day, I'll tell her a story that I told her on the way into work. And like 30 seconds in, maybe from the a shadow crosses her face, and I'm like, I'm doing it again. Like I'm I have the memory of a hummingbird. And uh so anyway it it haunted me a little bit but it also made me think this is the challenge too of like this podcast for me because if you were if we were doing my show like if we were doing like star trek the next generation a show that i have watched
0: we will never do
1: god damn it come on (laughs) i love how definitive you are uh (laughs) but anyway i uh if we did a show i've watched that show like every year of my life you know since it came out like i could you know repeat it to you backwards and forwards or whatever i remember like details of it whereas this show like it is not my favorite and yes i have watched it but like and we're analyzing it closely but i just forget stuff and anyway um so it so anyway all of this is to say that uh i've been thinking a lot about my Swiss cheese memory and how, and, mm-hmm. and how it's related to this, this show, like, and how different it must be for you because you are like the Uber fan of the show.
0: Although I also have a terrible memory, so I can really relate to the thing there that you're worried about. Yeah. Cause also a terrible memory. Um, I feel like it's so hard for me to, to keep straight what happens when like even when i go back now i'm like oh yeah that's in this episode partly because some of the pieces are kind of random like the cold opens and stuff like that that don't necessarily have some really close connection with the episode itself um but i think for us a solution is just to never listen back to the podcast (laughs) oh the back-to-back have you ever done that with a podcast that you've discovered
1: oh a hundred percent yes like burn right through it Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, she, I, she hasn't lost, we haven't lost Corey, though.
1: Oh, no, I think quite the opposite. I think she's become a devoted, if I can say, fan. I think she's a fan of the pod.
0: Okay, so even with our repetitions and our poor memories, she's with us. She's on yeah. board. Yeah, okay. what am I worried it's about? Not it's not that bad. Yeah. This yeah, is I'm a happy.
1: classic Tyler thing, to worry about a thing that is totally pointless. <laughs> <laughs> And that you can't change. That's my favorite yeah. thing to worry about. A thing that I can't change, nor am I going to do anything about. I really love to worry about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, those, that's the, nice. Only other bit of business is, okay, it's been like two or three episodes now that we have this email address and we've gotten exactly one email from your sister. Am mm-hmm. I disappointed in our listeners? I am. Not
0: a lot of traffic. Yeah. This
1: email. So, just a friendly reminder to listeners if you want to email us a, a query or a question, uh, if you want to, you know, I don't know, create a new segment, whatever, you know, pitch us. Uh, it's the best office hours podcast at gmail.com. And you can also send us comments or direct messages on Twitter at office underscore HRS underscore pod or on Instagram at office underscore hours underscore podcast and uh and yeah we'll read them on the pod as long as they're not you know like super mean and even (laughs) then we might depending
0: so we're in the annex
1: what are we going to talk about where do you want to start
0: okay so one of the places I thought about starting and let me say my thoughts for this episode are just kind of a list of random items that we may or may not discuss but one of them was comparing the end of season one to the end of season two.
2: because
0: I just happened to hit this in my notes, the quote that was from the very end of the first season. And it made me think about how it kind of goes up against the one that's at the end. And these are both Michael's final interviews that he's saying that I think is going over. I think it's what, what do you call that? Like when it's sort of background speech, but there's a different, different visuals in front of it. There's gotta be some name for that.
1: Oh, like a voiceover or
0: a voiceover. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So I think in both these cases, it's a voiceover. So season one, um, this might've been an interview. Gosh. Okay. Here's our memory problem. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let us know. Okay. So here's our question. Uh, Or here's Michael. Do I have a special someone? Uh, Well, yeah, of course. A bunch of them, my employees. If I had to choose between a one night stand with some stupid cow I pick up at a bar and these people, I'd pick them every time because with them, it's an everyday stand and I still know their names in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we have with the closing of season one, episode six, Hot Girl, Jim is driving Katie home. Michael has gotten rejected because he wanted to drive Katie home and... Michael is then talking about basically his, his love partner being the people in the office. But then, end of season two, here's our Michael voiceover. Love triangle, drama. All worked out in the end, though. The hero got the girl. Who saw that coming? I did. And Jan was really happy for me. So actually, the hero got two girls. He got the girl that he works with, and he got the girl that he buys real estate from. So <laughs> i a New York girl, and my local flavor. life is good so i just thought it was really interesting to see the shift from michael being alone to then juggling these two women and you know being the hero getting two girls
1: yeah yeah it's that's really interesting also because well i I, you know okay so what we did was basically binge watch the season and not i expected to watch it all in like two days and i ended up not being able to to do that um but even still like you know trying to trace themes across it and something that really stood out to me this time through was like wow jan is really central to this whole season and has kind of an interesting plot i think and um and so it's just sort of interesting to think well one reason for that is that she is kind of meant to play off of michael's you know, bad, his inability to, his sort of, yeah, he's not great at relationships. He he sort of stumbles into being charming with her twice. Um, I I want to talk about
0: those. (laughs) Stumbles into charm.
1: But he also like is, you know, we see all the ways in which why he's so lonely and single. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, she also represents like corporate. And I, the other thread I was really paying attention to this time through was like, the corporate the role of corporate and the and the and the widening portrait we get of dunder mifflin um beyond scranton this season and uh so anyway it's it, anyway it's just interesting to think about how that line that you read at the end like local and new york yeah that is kind of played out across the whole season in some ways not only like like i'm thinking of when he goes to um what is, is it performance no what's the one where he goes to new york
0: valentine's day
1: yeah valentine's day which i think yeah. is like a crucial episode for playing out that yes. tension a little bit um mm-hmm. yeah interesting well so i mean but of course also there's a bunch of irony in that mo- that final monologue because it's really juxtaposed to pam and jim
0: yes yes and in both cases, too, you're right. So there we've got, yeah, him kind of narrating himself as the central love story, when in in many ways it is Pam and Jim. And in the season one, too, that was when, you know, when Jim goes with Katie, like, Pam is kind of jealous then, too. So Pam is sort of left alone at the end of that episode in some way. Or is, you know, there's just the tension there. Yeah. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, Hold on. The uh interesting thing with or or one thing that struck me too with the Jan situation is that she really kind of bookends the season because in the first episode, Michael asks on the phone, yes, will, will her highness Jan Levinson Gould be descending her corporate throne? And that's when he's asking her to come to Chili's for the Dundies. And she says no, rejects that. And then at the very end, he's on the phone with her asking her to come to casino night. And at first she says no, but then she changes her mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So It seemed like there was this nice kind of echoing there and a sort of circling back to that and then advancing in this case with her actually coming to Scranton.
1: Do you think the Booze Cruise episode would have been better if Jan was on the Booze Cruise rather than (laughs)
0: that random
1: woman? (laughs) I think that that was rewatching it. I was like, this is really a mistake. Like, or to me, it's something I don't know if they were thinking of like having her come back or because they refer to that episode a lot. And then Jim calls that girl, right? And like asks, or woman, I should say. Yeah. And it just made it was kind of nonsense to me because I was like, Jim never really interacts with that woman I mean he does like briefly yeah Um, and maybe that's the point you know is to be like okay Jim is desperate uh after breaking up with Katie but not being able to be with Pam so he's gonna try anybody um but I don't know when I was rewatching the booze cruise episode I was like I think this would be slightly more interesting with with Jan Mm -hmm. um because then Michael's kind of performance anxieties would have made more sense to me plot-wise like that episode I really I both appreciated more and felt like had some flaws mm. this time through again and the 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 one flaw was kind of like I upon rewatch I was like oh my it, it, it's a funny idea that Michael has booked a booze cruise with lots of other people and yeah. he, and he can't do his like training event because you know but it's sometimes a little confusing just plot wise like is it because he's competing with captain jack and he doesn't want anybody to be higher above him in authority or is it because he needs to do this to prove to this corporate woman that he actually isn't an idiot or is it like a third reason that he actually cares about the corporate motivational event i found that all like a little just too Mushy, and I was like, "This would have been simplified if it was just Jan."
0: Yeah, it is kind of it is kind of odd. What's her name? Marsha? I
2: don't even, I
0: don't know. even... Margo? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't yet have it right. I'm reaching for it. I'll but yeah, it. it is odd. Here's a question: <laughs> Do you think though that if Jan were there to witness Michael on Boo's cruise, <laughs> it would fundamentally change their plot because? <laughs> Would, would it just expose too many things of Michael? I'm thinking about when he is puking on the boat and telling, he tells the woman from corporate that he's on medication, vomicillin. There's his dancing. Would Jan think his dancing was hot, Tyler?
1: Oh, no, no, no. That was <laughs> that, rewatching that was very funny. I was like, oh my God, the dancing is very really, is really good. And I still love the line where he's like, it's an ancient art form, too.
2: <laughs> um,
1: well, and also, I mean, I think he'd get fired, right? So, um, like, or whatever. I don't know. He'd be in much more trouble. I guess there are a lot of yeah. it, it would have been redundant anyway to have Jan yet again see him be kind of an idiot. So,
0: um, is that? Like, is it a sort of surveillance thing from corporate? I'm thinking about when it's placed. So it's a couple episodes after performance review. Yeah. Where Jan comes in and then she leaves and says that she'll do Michael's review over the phone because he just won't calm down. Mm -hmm. Then there's the email surveillance episode where there's the surveillance of the emails. And I, so I wonder if, this woman whose name we can't, Brenda. Brenda.
1: Brenda? Brenda. Brenda. Yeah.
0: So I wonder if she's kind of getting sent in as this other form of supervision when Jan really doesn't want to. Michael's also, we've learned in the Dundies has a history of problematic spending on parties yeah. like the 050505 party and the tsunami fundraiser. <laughs> so I don't know if there's some ra- attempt to rein him in. Actually, it's interesting, though, because he always invites Jan to the parties. Right. She never comes, but this one she sends a representative.
1: Um, Just in terms of, like, big, or maybe not themes, but just feelings I had rewatching it all, I felt like um, Jan was more interesting. As I mean, I just think she's a very interesting character, and I... I mm-hmm she seemed a little more substantive to me this time through especially the scene or the the episode of um uh valentine's day like i i really think that's an interesting episode yeah. and her reactions are super interesting yeah. um i found um and this is i feel really conflicted about this but i found jim to be more charming when you watch it all back to back to back
2: uh-huh. and i
1: found pam to be less sympathetic mm. <laughs> I find, and I really am anxious about this because uh, <laughs> because I am like aware of the potential sexist reading of of Pam I feel like this has been an anxiety for me this whole season um and so this could be my own you know shit or something but I just re-watching it I'm like she knows that he's into her mm-hmm. and there's so many times he comes close to saying it and like I uh, I really was struck by earlier in the season her um it's the uh karaoke barbecue party when she goes to his house yeah and the juxtaposition of her speculations about Dwight and um Angela contrasting with yeah. her and Jim and it's uh it's it's um Phyllis is like oh you know because she says what do you what do you know about any secret office romances and phyllis is like oh you and jim and Mm -hmm. i had and then she says after that like isn't it unfair that we didn't just think they could be friends or something like that and so i am sympathetic uh, you know to that idea and to her wanting that to be true but at the same time like i don't know man like yeah it, it just seems like she is or it seems like the writing is trying to present her as jim sees her which is to say in indecisive she's stuck and scared of making a big change which i get but i i found myself less sympathetic to her i found michael crueler when you watch him back to back Uh i find him much less sympathetic than when you watch standalone episodes and christmas he is so cruel and um
0: hard to handle in Christmas Christmas it, party. I was
1: cast back to the cringiness of this show. Yeah. There and in Dwight's speech and a few of them. I was like, oof. Yeah. Damn. Um I'm trying to think of any other character reactions I had. Uh, well
0: the the other one yeah. I gotta ask you about is Toby for character reactions and how your feelings are evolving
1: you know I don't know I'm like curious why I like Toby and I wonder if it's like season three or season four Toby Mm. um but I mean I think I liked him because Michael is so mean to him and he's so benign like he's (laughs) (laughs) this time through I was really noticing how like bitchy Toby can be and like how so I was really like interested in the scene when Michael grills his foot and then Toby is at the bathroom door and Michael's asking for help and he's like, Can't you just do it yourself? And he's like, No, ask like Ryan, and he's like, Oh, uh-huh. Ryan's dead <laughs> or, or whatever. What about Ryan? I was curious your take on Ryan this time. Ryan and 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 um 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 oh my god, my name's blankie. on. Um,
2: One of
0: the other characters.
1: Mindy Kaling's character. uh,
0: Oh, yeah. What's her name?
1: Um, Kelly. Kelly. Jesus. Oh, my God. Speaking of Swiss cheese. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan and Kelly. What are your thoughts?
0: Ryan. So Ryan is in some ways so interesting to me, especially in the relationship with Michael. I think that is fascinating. And I think seeing Michael... I don't think we can call it anything other than sexual harassment. I mean it, it is hurts, yes hurts Ryan. yeah, um, and I think that that dynamic is fascinating and watching Ryan in that <laughs> one of the moments that's <laughs> standing out is um something that was to me a redeeming moment in which episode, I think is the fight. Um, and that is when, when michael gets his cell phone number gets ryan's cell phone and he starts calling and doing the like, this is michael jackson and the time when he calls and ryan is outside eating lunch at his car yep. and he pulls out his phone and it like you know rolls his eyes and then just puts it away and then michael says we're playing phone tag thinking about the time when they're sitting this is the episode the fire when they're sitting in the back seat of yes. Ryan's car and Michael is kind of sweating and talking to him in this way that is just too intimate and close. Um, so, that I find super interesting. I also just think Ryan is kind of an asshole.
1: Yo, for sure.
0: You know, so like you can sympathize with him in that, but he's just such a dick, especially to Kelly. Um,
1: oh, he's so mean to her.
0: I really like Kelly. I really like how much she comes out over the course of this season, because early on, she just her her character hasn't fully emerged. I think early on, and over the course of it, we really get to the Kellyness of Kelly, and (laughs) I love her. And i I wish she wouldn't waste her time on Ryan.
1: Is is the episode when? um, Oh, it's the carpet where um jim switches desks with michael takes jim's desk and jim goes to work in the back with kelly right yes yeah that was so well first this just points out to me like episodes i didn't love Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed on rewatch like i and i think it's partly what you were talking about where it's like they're little chunks like they're so braided together Yes. You forget you know and when we're focused on an episode to talk about sort of the plot or the whatever it's like a unit like it's its own unit but when you're binging them you're kind of you know there are threads that you follow or something it's a it's an interesting experience yeah. because I really appreciated the carpet more and laughed a lot more and was less concerned because my big criticism was kind of like I don't think it works as a standalone story and I don't think it, a lot some of the stuff that's set up doesn't really pay off and i felt like some of michael's characterization was off but this time i didn't feel any of that and i actually was like laughing a lot and i found it somewhat poignant that he invites the guy who used <laughs> to have his office back <laughs> um truck yeah but anyway kelly kelly really shined in that episode for some reason to me like, yeah um yeah the one
0: so, where she's yeah. listing all the things she likes like pink the singer pink the color anything's awesome <laughs>
1: And her in the um the uh, what's the episode when they are kind of w- w- girls and boys right yes. is that it? um is that what it's called what boys it? and girls is right after the carpet and Kelly I d- don't remember us talking about this a ton but Kelly is like she's fucking with Jan like she's like what is uh what is third base or second base so <laughs> Michael said he got to second base with you. And they're all kind of looking at each other. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, she's doing a kind of Jim thing that Jim does with Dwight.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because she comes across sometimes as ditzy and stupid. Mm -hmm. But in that case, she's using that, knowing full well right, what she's doing and what she's going for. Mm -hmm. It's like she's kind of leaning into that image of herself in order to mess with Jan
1: totally um were there like uh well I'm curious if if because we have some background people that aren't like really main characters or fleshed out yet yeah uh we've got Angela we've got Creed we've got Oscar Kevin um oh my god what's her name the one that we're meant to understand Meredith, is the Catholic, M- Meredith. um <laughs> uh-huh. Am I forgetting anybody? Any of those folks? And Devin for one episode. Um
0: Devin. Devin's the worst. There was one episode where there is this random woman who I think was in some of season one. She never has a name. She walked you see her one day walking out of the office. I'm like, who is that? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was like she was in inappropriately far. Like when it was more, it was clearly established who was in. The office, but seeing Devin again, so glad that he's gone. <laughs> I, I said I would fire him at the time. Still would fire him. Devin was the worst. He <laughs> tore up one of the the fun threads as Chili's, and him tearing up the Chili's gift certificate that Michael gives him at the end is hurtful. One, you were talking about episodes though that you reconsidered, and I think last time we talked about it, I might have given Dwight's speech. I might have positioned as my worst or my least favorite episode. And it is not my least favorite Oh, Whoa.
2: Episode. All right.
0: Do you ever have this experience where there's a part of a show that kind of begins to dominate your memory of it and you associate it too strongly? So for me, it's when Dwight is actually giving his speech. But... Yeah. There were all of these other things, actually, that I love in that episode. So we have Michael's cabinet, which I know I talked about for a long yes. time. Yeah. He has his awards and all of his random stuff in there. There's the Brad Pitt thing. There's the thermostat tension between Oscar and Angela. I love that. And just watching it, I was thinking about some more about the ways that it connects and fits into the others because Michael kind of has his failure at comedy, you know, when he just kind of implodes on the stage and isn't funny. But then he retreats to the bar and he kind of finds his best audience in Dwight when Dwight comes back. And you know, he can tell Dwight's stories and Dwight is like so engrossed in it and thinks it's so funny. So I I think it's more interesting than I kind of give it credit for. I found that when we talked about it, I got much more interested in it but I'll say going back this time was more finding here are the parts that I just really love about it. Mm-hmm. I
1: I think it's, it, it was a very interesting experience to rewatch the season because, you know, normally, right? Like we watch them separately. We come together and talk about it, but now it's like going back and rewatching it and you're in my head or like you're, it's almost like you're sitting yeah. next to me. And I'm looking at the things that captured your interest or imagination and so i'm partly relating to them uh, from the things that you like but also like just re- it feels like relating to you through mm-hmm. those things um if that makes it's this double yeah. experience it and so
0: such a function of tv and of like culture and of a show like this in particular is yet relating to people and like connecting over those things that you both like or that you come to like
1: yeah and and like yeah so there i'm trying to think of well like the dundies episode you know mm-hmm. i think of as a touchstone for you and um so re-watching it i was noticing all these little details that you had pointed out that i had just forgotten or whatever and appreciating them all over again um I'm trying to think of another example oh well the injury i think it might i think you might have said that was like one of your all-time favorite mm-hmm. episodes possibly and like yeah. man rewatching it was delightful
2: It's
1: so um i'm trying to think of <laughs> others that um oh well it, like when i was re-watching dwight's speech i definitely was like zeroing in on the cabinet or i've been paying more attention <laughs> to what's in the background of michael's desk i was thinking for season season three i want to do a better job of taking some visual notes mm-hmm. um because i feel like i get lazy and i stop writing those down and then when we sit down to talk about it i forget like the visual stuff and just focus on the narrative or the dialogue because i have the script um so it felt like i was paying attention to like visual things that you would notice Mm -hmm. as a way to sort of anticipate what you were going to think through which uh anyway that was i was kind of thinking like oh that is what kind of teaching and criticism is right like like i often felt as a student that like i wish the teacher would lecture about the text and then i'd go read it rather than reading it and then uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, cause when you're reading it and you don't know anything, you're kind of like, I don't know, what am I looking for? Um, yeah. uh, but what was the other, there was something else I was going to say and I just, my bl- mind completely blanked. Um, so save me while I try to remember what I was going to okay.
0: say. Well, so I'll go in with one of the things that I think you've drawn my attention to and that is going to counter your, feeling that Michael was worse on watching <laughs> together. And those are your questions. I think about the sort of heteronormative love narrative. Yeah. Michael is so interesting in this way, in his failure to fulfill that narrative and his failure like, by his own evaluation. So he's not married. He has no kids and he's sad about it. He's not, it's not a, it's not a Todd Packer situation where he's out playing the field and proud and all of that. So he's sad about it. There's the moment in Take Your Daughter to Work Day when Sasha just seems to capture the heart of the kind of vulnerability of Michael when she says you didn't get to be what you wanted to be. Oh. Oh, When he said as a kid, right, that he wanted, I think, to have A wife and to have lots of kids who would love him and he doesn't have that there's the so there's the michael and jan i was thinking too about the kind of way you've helped me to notice the sort of parallels in these plot lines with michael and jan and with jim and pam and so michael like the women he's interested in he has two so they're also a little older both are divorced one has kids one doesn't So he's like, he's out of the zone of like the kind of conventional cultural script Uh of the love story. Like he's too old for it. You know, so Pam and Jim are the ones that we kind of see as the love story. But so it's like Michael is not um, kind of positioned in the conventional way within that story. But it is also very much about Michael's desire for love so yeah yeah what do you what do you want to say about that
1: a couple of things uh first um well I remember the one thing I forgot so let me just quickly toss it in yeah. um but I unfortunately I can't remember all the details of it but there was a moment where J- um, Pam is like talking to the camera guys and the camera guys They're at one point they're like filming Dwight and then they run over to Pam's counter to like yeah and she
0: says thank you
1: yeah and I can't remember what the what that was about do you remember what it was about?
0: they drew her attention to the candy bars so Angela had bought two candy bars baby roots I think yeah so they like draw her attention that Dwight is eating one of them so it's also related to the thing you mentioned with Phyllis who later is you know about like looking for office romances
1: yes so I just, but I was like, holy crap, did we talk about the visual design there? And the oh, fact good that question. The, yeah. the documentarians are complicit. Like they're yes. on the side of Jim and Pam to a degree that they're not necessarily with other characters mm. in the show. So I, anyway, but I was, I, I I feel like you're really good at the visual. And so that, that was the one thing. That's I
0: really interesting, yeah.
1: Back to your... Um, overarching point first I I totally have become convinced by your reading of Michael's queerness and there were so many moments of it throughout the show that it was just sort of like oh my god like how have I how have we not I mean I know we've talked about it but like
0: yeah just ask Corey we've talked about it a lot
1: (laughs) yeah I know but I feel like I keep forgetting like not only is he sexually harassing Ryan but like he seems completely unaware of his infatuation with Ryan and it is not yeah, yeah. it is not the show makes very clear over the course of the season that he wants to be friends with Jim but he does not want to fuck Jim and he <laughs> just, like it's not there is not like a sexual commentary on Jim except that oh, there like and he does his hair like Jim right at one point yes but he does not do that with Ryan with Ryan he wants to, i mean i guess he wants to change ties and stuff but he is fetishizing Ryan as hmm. a hot guy and um
0: just in the office award
1: yeah Ryan's and it's there you. it's there from the beginning of the season and it really yeah. does carry through um mm. and I just noticed it a lot a lot more and I I
2: yeah.
1: so I'm really persuaded by that and then I'm also persuaded too that his he's queered in the sense of he's kind of while he may hold on to the ideals of a kind of heteronormative lifestyle or something he is so Mm -hmm. askew of it and he keeps being read as gay by others like when he's Uh, buying the condo and they're like hey this is a gay friendly thing and all this and um so i was just really interested in those plot or those dimensions or dynamics it seemed really intentional it seemed progressive in an interesting way yeah um and then but to your more specific point about these two women I feel like we may have talked about it before but it's just really striking that they are both um basically his age but also arguably more they have they are both women who have authority over him or power over him like I suppose your realtor is not like an authority figure, but like she's a successful woman, a businesswoman. and like he is in a position of passivity when she's like, If you cancel, you're gonna lose all this money. And like, I don't know, like his attraction to her is is just interesting. like, um, yeah. And then obviously, with Jan, you know, she's literally his superior. And while that can be a fetishy thing. That doesn't seem like michael's it's not like he's fetishizing her power over him yeah it's more like he genuinely i I don't know something like so i kept thinking about why is jan even remotely attracted to him and in the scenes when he he seems to like articulate genuine respect for her as an a woman in power so despite what he says Mm -hmm in the girls and boys or boys and girls episode there are these other moments that kind of complicate his yeah repet i don't know so anyway all of that is to say your love and devotion for michael scott is i was like okay he is cruel but he is interesting
0: (laughs) he's cruel but he's complicated
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: so ooh, a couple things that is really interesting the point about his yeah like what is his Kind of respect for Jan's power, and yet, in in what ways, what ways is he disrespectful, and what ways is he respectful? I think when we see him in the group of other managers at and uh, Valentine's Day when they're down at corporate, I think we see some of the really direct and serious pushback that Jan gets from other men, particularly from Craig. Yeah. So to give some context. It's making me think back also to season one and Katie when Michael thinks that he can date Katie because Jan and Carol are both just so much more age appropriate. Right. <laughs> as choices. And it seems like the sort of standard move when you want to convey that a man or a boss is an asshole, they go for somebody who is Right. really young and really conventionally hot right. um, but so this is interesting that he's not and unlike Todd Packer too right he's not on the constant pursuit of young women that these are both realistic women for him but Ryan is a very young yes. man right. and so actually when right. they have the sexual harassment right They have, in the sexual harassment episode it's about the was it the the CFO banging a secretary or something something right. like that but the sexual harassment problem that's probably biggest in the office is for Ryan yeah right definitely if anyone else i don't want to like overlook anyone else's experience but it feels like it is most intensely there for Ryan i mean i think i
1: i would have to go back over like i definitely think there are well i mean you know Writ large, sexual harassment would include basically everything that Michael says, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you know, it is certainly of
0: hostile, like hostile environment. Harassment. Yeah,
1: right. And like the things that he says to or about Phyllis, for example, I think would yes. fall under. Yeah, know,
0: he's got some rough, comments for Phyllis.
1: Yeah, and there are moments for Pam. You know, I feel like we're where he's like, oh, you should, I don't know, do this with your hair or so. I don't know. I can't remember the details. Yes.
0: oh yeah yeah, his hair is sexier he tells her at one point to unbutton her top button let those babies breathe jesus he tells her to do self um breast exams (laughs) when they're on the ice yeah that's right (laughs) so
1: all of that yes but i think that you're onto something and i'm now it's making me think about the show the writers like being like okay you know it would be if we made him a creep like a creep in the way that he like like if you had Ryan as a uh, like a woman right and then Michael's would it would he be so unlikable that the audience would not find him sympathetic in other ways and so is it that we don't register you know the predation on younger men as sexual harassment in the first place yes or at the same time you know were they trying to sort of flip the script and sort of show you know like men can be sexually harassed too because it's not like they're not framing it as harassment right and were they trying to I mean if Michael is a kind of Lothario in the way that Todd Packer is supposedly you know then that's this other that kind of cuts against the loneliness I mean you could make him a sad guy a sad fuck boy <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> but like <laughs> You know it, that would kind of go. It would rub. You know, it would, I don't know. It would undermine potentially the kind of complete social awkwardness that he represents. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like why they arrived at this choice. Yeah. Maybe there were a few different things they were playing with. Um, but I agree with you. It's, it's there.
0: Yeah, I think you use the word predation, and I think that's so right because this is the kind I'd say this is this the strand of harassment that seems most predatory that has the most predatory like kind of directly predatory feeling to it and you're right I think that there's the issue of what registers like what registers as creepy man and who registers as a victim of that and so Ryan doesn't register in the same way but it's Yeah, it's there. I think it's just really interesting.
1: It is. Okay, one last thing on this, uh, you know, Michael's queerness thread. Um, Let's talk about his mom. Because, and I I needed, I meant to go back over the scripts to clarify this, but in the episode where Michael, um, take your daughter to work day, when he sends Ryan to his mother's house to get the tape, does he say, like, if my mom, my mom will be by the pool? Or something like yeah. that yeah and so i i started to like try to unpack like what do they think they're doing with the mom tropes here but like the images we have are of like her sunbathing by a pool i mean first to have a pool means you're like kind of upper middle class and to dress your kid in suits <laughs> and, and fancy shoes
0: is she though wait here's a question about her in the pool that she might be by the pool I pictured her potentially living in sort of a retirement community and not a personal pool.
1: Oh, fascinating. Okay. Okay. That's my
0: biography on Michael's mom.
1: Okay. But my theory was she got a pony for his birthday.
0: That is an investment birthday party. That's a great
1: And then (laughs) um, what was the other thing? Oh, and dressed him in a suit little suits i have to imagine are expensive i don't know <laughs> and then i was like the pool so i was putting together a kind of image of this like maybe she drinks chardonnay around 11 o'clock she's What's wrong with chardonnay tyler nothing's wrong with it i just okay i guess i was i'm maybe i'm projecting but i was picturing... <laughs> his mom is basically like kind of uh home not working and uh uh maybe making him into her like project or oh yeah an like extension a extension of mom? herself what'd you oh, say
0: like a like on the show like for the show dance, Moms dance or something mom dance like-
1: mom yeah 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 exactly um which but on the other hand i mean like i don't know i was trying to work out this image because i was like all right are they playing into sort of these conventional stereotypes around like um I don't know like what what makes you like I this is a problem that I have in like every serial killer narrative or fucked up man narrative it's like oh they had a bad mom and moms are the reason that you turn out like shit or something like
2: that (laughs) Um,
1: you know Uh I just watched something oh the new okay this is gonna be not for you but for maybe some listeners oh I haven't have you Oh,
0: no I thought that was where it was going (laughs) in terms of man narrative
1: the new halloween movie has like they they try to make a new michael myers and like the they they import this super sexist simplistic thing and he has a mom and a dad and they make it really clear that his dad is so understanding and his dad Mm -hmm. even says at one point like i want you to find love and meanwhile his mother is like where were you at night slaps him and then like kisses him on the face like kisses him on the lips Mm -hmm. like she's constantly overbearing and yeah judgy and crazy and whatever yeah it's like yep like moms will make you into serial killers like or whatever so i'm i'm really i'm reluctant about how the show is or is not but the mom comes up a lot and when he's
0: sick um he's on the phone and interesting that connected to jan because he's on the phone and he's saying oh i'm not gonna call jan she would just worry
2: Mm, mm. yeah the
0: birthday. She sends the poster, right?
1: He likes powerful women. He's he just, turned his work into his family, mm-hmm. which could be an alternative to if the mom, if it's just him and his mom and his her mom is kind of overcompensated or something, projected all this stuff onto him. Then maybe he like, I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: do you have any theories on Michael's mom? Good
0: question. Mom, I feel like want to have more of a theory on michael's mom than i have my picture of michael's mom was definitely that at this point she's living in a retirement community she has some nice retiree friends and they kind of sit around the pool and chat and they play bingo and they do things like that
1: Hmm. what an interesting different vision we had
0: (laughs) very interesting
1: let's not explore that. At all. (laughs)
0: With her, we never, we like, we never, she is this point of reference, but she is never a presence. Mm -hmm. Pam's mom appears. Well, the boy is a presence. When Michael has, when Michael talks on the phone to Jan, we hear Jan's voice. Even when he calls to try to organize the ride into the industrial coal chute, we have the voice on the other end. But when he talks to his mom, we never get the mom's voice. We don't get the mom's presence. So she's only, it's interesting that she's only constructed through the things, like through Michael's responses, through the way that she dressed Michael, through Michael's stories about her, all of that stuff. So that's it's an interesting way where you sort of piece together a character based only on that
1: yeah on the one hand this is potentially a sitcom trope like or it could become one I'm thinking for example did you ever watch Frasier um
2: yeah
1: okay so I think it was Niles's wife never saw ever as far as I recall and but she's constantly talked about um, yeah or I'm thinking of I don't know like home improvement I remember you never see the guy's face but that's not the same yeah the neighbor um but anyway it'd be interesting to think about that but on the other hand also it's sort of true like like I was thinking about this recently where it's like I I, I feel like I talk about my you know family more than some and <laughs> I'm like oh you know first is that weird you know I'm always wondering if I'm normal or weird but it was like oh people at work like have a have a narrative about my like family you know my mother in particular um but they're never going to meet her and they never have met her like
2: mm-hmm.
1: how strange you know what I mean like I I I I don't know you know so like to some extent I wonder if that's often true like I don't walk around looking at people and thinking oh they are this way because of their parents but
2: we yeah. could,
1: like yeah <laughs> and Michael like he never mentions his father and I mean it, it's tempting to be like okay if his father is absent this explains yeah. his relationship to masculinity where he like idealizes the most the Todd Packers, but is actually closer to, you know, something else. You know, something. Yeah. Like that. I don't know.
0: When is it that he mentions his mom getting remarried?
1: Oh, I don't remember.
0: Has it happened yet? It could be in the later season. It could be in a later season. So okay. we may come back to okay. Michael's mom.
1: Um. Did this you have final guess. thoughts on? On Pam's
2: mom?
0: So Pam's mom, I feel like you had a lot of thoughts about Pam's mom in the final episode of the season that she's on the phone and Pam is talking to her after Jim has confessed his love. And before he kisses her, right? That's the sequence. So we meet Pam's mom first in episode two, sexual harassment. And that's the one where she's coming to the office to visit and she doesn't have a cell phone. So when she shows up, it's going to be a surprise. And Pam loves her mom. And she talks about that. Pam and Jim sit in the break room and kind of talk about her mom. And um, I don't know. I guess I actually had nothing to say about that. But it was interesting to see her show up in both of those places. We have her early so that we know who this person is, who Pam is calling at the end.
1: I still think it's super fascinating that she calls her mom and and the thing that you pointed out when her mom comes and she's like which one's Jim like
0: yes exactly right so she already knows so I don't know I actually really have nothing
1: (laughs) I threw that out there
0: but I have nothing to say about it
1: I mean it goes those those are the moments though where I'm like come on Pam you know you know what's going on you know he's into you and you're into him like Yes. Whatever. I don't know why I blame her. If your mom knows.
0: If your mom knows. Yeah. It's there. It's real. One of the things I was trying to think about a little bit is the sort of progression with Jim and Pam. Mm. And I thought about it almost in terms of awkwardness cycles. Mm. There's a, a building of attraction and romantic tension but then these moments when things get super awkward. So bear with me while I lay out some of the key moments with Jim and Pam in sequence. So in episode one, the Dundies, that's when Pam gets drunk at Chili's and she kisses Jim in season or in season in episode three, that's office Olympics. And she, there are those interviews where she's really admiring his work, like how, creative he is and how much he's able to do when he kind of puts his mind to something Mm. like the Olympics and not working there. Then in number four, she's having a great time with Jim for a while, but she gets jealous of Katie Mm -hmm. and see in episode five, Halloween, she encourages him to apply for the other job and he gets sad. And then in the fight, I feel like we hit one of those sort of tension peaks and that's the place where at the fight, They're flirting, but Jim picks her up and it pulls up her shirt and it gets just really awkward. And he later, I was noticing watching this time. Yes. We talked about this when he's like, starts to write her an email saying, sorry, if that was weird, but then the camera catches him doing it. So he deletes it. Yes. He kind of smooths it over because he gives her chips at the end. So it kind of diffuses. There's the client And then they have, it seems like they're kind of building back up because they're being all close. They eat on the roof. Pam lights a candle. It's like a date until he names it and says it was kind of like a date. And so then she gets kind of mean about it, like short with him and like, you know, swaying isn't dancing. So I think I was pretty annoyed with Pam there as well. Email surveillance then. So it's like they've gotten kind of tense and awkward, but then email surveillance, Pam gets into Jim's bedroom at the party. There's the gift, like his really thoughtful gift in Christmas party booze cruise, Pam reups. And he Roy. almost
1: reveals, he almost reveals things and then he steals the card back. At the yes, party.
0: yes. exactly. So true. Crucial point. Yeah. We've got the almost revelation. Um, there's the secret then, you know, when the secret comes out after he is disclosed. Because on Booze Cruise, he discloses to Michael that he has had a crush on her. Um, the carpet you mentioned, that's the one I think where it removes Jim from Pam because he go, Michael's at his desk. Yeah. He goes back and there's that long series of voicemails. 19, Michael's birthday. They're bonding at right Aid as they're getting gifts. Sorry, this is such a long list, but I just wanted to kind of string them together. In episode 20, drug testing, that's when she does the jinx, and so he can't talk to her the entire time until the end when they share Coke and he fills her in on all this stuff. They fight then in conflict resolution at the end during the group photo, and then the end, season, or uh, I keep saying season, episode 22, it's a confession. You know, he confesses his love, and there's a kiss. So there was just an interesting to me kind of back and forth between the flirtation and then the awkwardness and going around the thing that you've talked about which is the silence about what they actually want Mm. and it seems like in these moments when it gets close to being punctured then the defenses have to go up like specifically Pam's defenses have to go up
1: but jim's too right he steals that card back even though uh, there was not a great reason in my mind actually to pull back at that point other than I don't know if he was feeling rejected that she didn't want the teapot or I I don't know
0: um yeah it gave him the additional time to think and then you know you pull back um
1: I'm loving I love first I just love that um metaphor of like stringing things together and I want to like steal that and like have my students do it as an assignment or something mm. like it's such a beautiful i love listening to it you know or it's like it takes you it's like tracking a pattern but like cr- there's a creativity to it right where you're like reorienting or re-threading events to see yeah. new, new yeah. dimensions in them um so anyway i just love listening to that but my version of this is i was rewatching. i did not document it as carefully but just You know was thinking about our representation of roy over the course Mm -hmm. of the season and i actually feel like because i've made the argument in the past that the show kind of like simplistically villainizes roy and i want to re-amend that and say i actually feel like what the show does is like um give roy opportunities and then demonstrate how constantly he like Um, how actively he makes a choice that that is the worst choice like (laughs) like so so it's not that he's just like intrinsically bad or something but Uh like he so from the very you know he goes to Chili's right like he goes to the thing but then leaves early you know and sort of like doesn't listen doesn't doesn't listen to what Pam wants there or like you know, she gets an iPod or she gets, you know, yeah, an iPod or something. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, this is awesome. And but because now I don't have to get you something, and like, I don't know, I'll get you a sweater or whatever. Like, you yeah. know, because she says, like, oh, well, what are you gonna get me instead? Like, it's not it's not instantly like bad that he doesn't have to buy the iPod, it's that he doesn't have any thoughtful thing to supplement it, right? Like, um, I'm trying to think of the other one that um comes to mind. Oh. What really stood out to me was him and Jim. He he like goes to Jim and he's like, hey, look, I heard about this crush, but look, it's not a big deal. And you have this moment where you're like, hey, maybe Roy's like an enlightened dude. I mean, I'm not saying that I fell for it, but just that's not the worst reaction in the world. Even if he's sort of preemptively saying, but you're not still into her, right? But then what's awful about him is not that. It's that he's like, "Ugh, at least I don't have to listen to her, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Like, I That's was just like, wow, like he really what sucks about him is how consistently he sucks and how <laughs> how he and how he really does not care about Pam as Pam. And like every time Jim is forced to say what he likes about Pam, it's specific. He likes her sense of humor. He likes talking to her. He likes he likes exactly who she is and Roy doesn't and anyway I was just it was really interesting to sort of track Roy
0: yeah yeah that is and he he also has a circle where the beginning at Chili's he leaves early and Pam wants to stay and at casino night he leaves leaves again, and Pam wants to stay and it keeps opening up these and actually all the moments when things kind of peak with Jim are when Roy leaves early because at the the time when they're reading threat level midnight, you know, that's the time the day that they stay late and Roy comes in and is like, seriously, you're staying late for this and Pam stays.
1: Yes. And we the, it nicely like complicates this with Booze Cruise because in Booze Cruise, you get the feeling that again, Jim might like say what he really feels, right? Like, because yes. he's like, Roy has abandoned her to go drink with Captain Jack or whatever he's doing, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And, um. And so that leaves her and Jim alone on the on the whatever. What do you call it? Yeah. The port. I don't know. The the, <laughs> the, the, the bow, maybe the bow right. the
0: the starboard.
1: <laughs> they're outside, and um, they're outside on the, on the deck. I don't know. They're outside. De- yeah, and, they're on the deck. But they're alone because he's. Cons- I don't know where Katie is at that point, but yeah. Um jim almost reveals it doesn't and then roy is has one of those momentary things where he's like you know what it has been too long and maybe i do want to change and like hmm. Pam seems genuinely happy which makes jim miserable um yeah. anyway so i'm yeah i just love your your point here um and the booze cruise episode is really in the in the exact middle of the season basically uh-huh. so it's well positioned for a yeah, moment like oh. Maybe yeah,
2: you're number eleven.
1: Hmm. Um. Just quickly, because uh, I know we're going to wrap up soonish, but I just wanted to point out a couple that stood out to me going back through. I think the fire is maybe my least favorite episode, but there were like funny moments in it, like
2: yeah,
1: Ryan becoming fire guy and the billy joel song and you know the 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 scene in the car and but for whatever reason that episode just feels kind of one note to me or something and i i think it's because i don't like jim in it at all like i don't like his snootiness about (laughs) movies or pams um and uh i mean in addition to the ones that we've like already kind of talked about and stuff i thought email surveillance holy shit the the improv scene is just so goddamn funny still and like
0: oh funny
1: (laughs) all of them going to you know a different bar without michael amazing, (laughs) amazing 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 um the uh yeah the secret i really liked a lot more this time um like I said, the carpet made me laugh more, but there was, I'm i am blanking in the, on the, in the, it'll come back to me, but um what was it? The, uh, not the fight. Oh, this is horrible to, oh yes, Office Olympics. Okay. Uh-huh. I already praised Office Olympics last time and I said, you know, it was great or whatever, but this time through, I appreciated it even more. And what I had not fully realized until my rewatch was that, they do the closing ceremonies and the joke is that michael does not michael thinks it is maybe i've already said this before oh my god corey let me know (laughs) but michael thinks that it's about him Uh but everybody in the office is kind of smiling because they know that it's not about him it's about their games and it really hit home for me that actually it's not a sweet sentimental thing but it is because michael takes it as sweet and sentimental it just really like got. It was a different element of the cringy for me, but I really appreciated the layers of emotionality yeah. because yeah, he's feeling it should be this exciting moment, but it isn't, and then they're all disappointed they can't continue with their games, and so they find a subtle way to undermine Michael. Like anyway, mm-hmm. I I think that yeah. that episode is like really well written. I I really do. Oh,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of kind of doubleness maybe in that moment yeah because one way to look at it if they're making fun of him you know like when they when you when a group knows something that one person doesn't know and is acting around that but at the same time it also is sweet it, like, it feels like there is also a sincere dimension to it so it's yeah. just yeah it feels like it's both of those things i want to go back to something you said about the fire so is this is embarrassing to admit, but is, is we didn't start the fire? Is that a Billy Joel song? Yes, he so said it's Billy Joel. Okay, so later, you know when <laughs> Dwight, I think it's on Michael's birthday, right? When yes, he plays the recorder by William, he, Joel. William Joel. William <laughs> Joel. That's just a really interesting callback to Billy Joel, and I wonder if that's part of Michael's love of uh, of Billy Joel. But anyway, kind of an interesting connection. Great. I have one more one more item, and I wanted to revisit a discussion and a disagreement we had about episode 22, Casino Night, and that is the coat rack. Mm. So this is when Jim mm. says that he can move things with his mind, mm-hmm. and... I argued that it was spontaneous that Pam did not know about this and plan ahead. And she spontaneously came up with the thing to move the co-rack. You thought it was planned. I'm coming in hard again at you, Tyler. I think I'm definitely right on this. And let me tell you why. Are you
1: kidding me? I really thought you were going to be like, you know what? I, I saw the error of my you way.
0: No, no, I I, I watched back. I'm, I'm so right about this. This so, is what? the end of our friendship. It's, it's on record. <laughs> Well, good thing it's the end of season two, I guess. (laughs) Here's the deal. Dwight picked the object. Dwight picked the thing. So Jim says, it was just a little thing, you know, like I could make something shake or I could make a marble fall off the counter. You know, just little things. Dwight, that's ridiculous. You know what? Uh, Why don't you move the coat rack? Excuse me everyone attention in the office please Jim is about to prove his telekinetic powers and he needs absolute silence go ahead so he's the one who says why don't you move the co rack like he identifies the thing that they're going to do Jim and Pam cannot plan that
2: all right
1: i'm going to rewatch this i'm going to literally when we end this zoom i'm going <laughs> to rewatch it and in our revisions and regrets i'll have something i will okay. either i will either regret that i disagreed with you <laughs> <laughs> or i will revise my analysis to account for this problem wow. one way or the other yeah. for one thing
0: that you with... are digging in on this okay so you might be coming back with a counter argument
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah well so there's my thing Damn. it is not planned dwight picks the that's thing a convincing
1: proposed. point that's a very convincing Long
0: point right but I... go back i want you to come up with an argument why it's otherwise
1: i'm gonna try because and this can
0: be this can be a strain of our episodes an episode to right. episode to go back and forth with arguments about this
1: yeah perfect perfect yeah um anything else you want to hit before we uh preview the next season that's it all right
0: going into season three
1: well i will
0: say okay so here's
1: my i'm just gonna say my two concerns as we go into season three okay um because I'll confess I started watching season three and so something I'm just going to put on the table as something that was on my mind is what happens to this show when it becomes so popular like Hmm. I'm curious about the show like incorporating its um memes or its its tropes into the show like kind of being aware of itself I'm just kind of curious what i'm excited to talk about that because and also i I mean like we're not going to do any historical research or whatever but my (laughs) guess would be that like it really isn't until season three that that's happening like they must have season two seems very much like season one and season one was very short so i in many ways it feels like they must just kind of put this out so if it becomes a sensation over the course of season two i'm just anyway because season three felt just from the i watched like five ten minutes of the first episode and i was like this feels aware of itself in a different way mm-hmm. um so i'm really curious to talk about that or to sort of pay attention to it the other thing um on my mind is this the style of comedy like which directions will the comedy go in like i'm just kind of eager to pay attention to that. I mean, I'm curious about all our narrative stuff, too. You know, Jim and Pam, blah, 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 Michael. But those are the two things because I just like started to watch the first episode and then I was like, okay, we're not going to record on it. But yeah, I was like the style feel the style of comedy feels a little different and the sense of awareness feels different. And I'm so I'm actually one thing that I'm really going to be eager to know is like what your favorite season is when we get to the end of this all. Because anyway, so any previews or things you want to put on the table as we look ahead to season three?
0: No, I have no insightful things to say going forward, but I love the directions that you're giving us.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Well, we'll think about
2: it. I'm
0: looking forward to
1: it. But people should email us with questions, queries, suggestions, comments, etc. Um, at the best office hours podcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, we will see you not in the annex, but back in the office for <laughs> Season three, episode one, next time. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks. Bye.